This is from um, the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter. It begins with the 25th verse. If you'd like to follow along, it'll be up on the screen. Also, you have probably some screens with you. You can, uh, you can find this, uh, this scripture passage on your phone or your iPad or whatever. On one occasion, an expert in the law, or a lawyer, we would say, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins, or two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Pretty familiar story. Right? We even have laws that are named after this, right? Good Samaritan laws that protect people who stop to help people along the side of the road. Right? So it's in our common sort of parlance, good Samaritan. And we think of Samaritans, good Samaritans, as really great people. Well, here's the thing. To unpack this particular parable, you've got to know some history. You've got to know what's going on behind all this. Samaritans, in a sense, are sort of like the, forgive the term, the red-headed stepchildren of the Jews. They are the remnant of um, the people who, when the, the northern and the southern kingdoms split, they were the people left in the northern kingdoms. They still followed Yahweh in a very particular way. They still followed the Torah just not in the way that the southern kingdom did because when the southern kingdom went with David and all of that. Now, you may not know that history. We won't delve into that now. But, so, so basically, these are your cousins from some state that we could make fun of. 
West Virginia, for example. I knew that we were going there, but sorry. Isn't it interesting, like, like in Nebraska, we make fun of Iowa, right? But everybody makes fun of West Virginia. I, I just don't understand that. But anyway, so, so you know, whatever, that, whatever that's about. Um, but the Samaritans and the Jews are related by blood and th- by theology. And, but Samaritans are seen by the Jews as dirty and despicable people. That's just, that's just where it was. This, was. this was not someone you would invite in your home. This was not someone that you would want to be around. This is not someone, you know, this is, this is when you tell your kids, we are not friends with those people. The Samaritan moves in the neighborhood, everybody else moves out. I mean, let's just, I mean, to try to get it into more modern terms. So, I don't know if you can even, viscerally, I don't, I don't know if you grew up in a family where there were just people that you just didn't hang out with. It's just hard to get our minds around sometimes because because we've been so influenced by stories like the Good Samaritan that that we think we're beyond this, but we're not. So Samaritans were really hated. And so when Jesus tells this story, and I want to back up to this to the to to the lawyer who's asking him, I mean he asks a very earnest question, what can I do to inherit eternal life? How how do I, Jesus, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, I want to know your take on how, how, do I, how do I live into what God wants for me? I mean, isn't that, just, isn't that a question that we would all, I mean, we're here for some reason, it must be about God. We're, we're trying to figure out what, it, what does it mean to live a life in, in relationship with God? How, how do we work out what it means to be faithful people? That's where the rubber hits the road. And so he's just asking an honest question. And so Jesus just turns it back on him like he often does and says, so what do, you, what do you read? What do you read in the scriptures? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus like, you're right. I mean, Jesus himself had said, you know, when asked what are the greatest commandments, he said, those two, right? That that's, that, that's the heart and the soul of the law and the prophets, Jesus says. And in some sense, it's the heart and the soul of, of his teaching. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. So, I mean, the attorney, like attorneys today, you know, needs to parse terms. You've got to figure out what you're talking about here. Because if I'm going to be faithful, I've got to know who my neighbor is. Right? I've got to know who, who, it, who is it that I'm supposed to love. And so Jesus then tells the story, and he says the priest and the Levite. Now, there's some, there's some debate in the commentaries about whether the lawyer would identify with the priest and the Levite, but at least on some level, the priest and the Levite would be, would be seen as representatives of um, good, good hierarchy in society, in Jewish society. Even though we know, looking back, you know, the priesthood was, was probably pretty political and, and possibly corrupt, um, the Levites, you know, they sort of rested on their laurels as being, as, as being the people set aside to, to be in that priestly line. So there's some of that going on. But, but these would have been people, much like, you know, we, I, said, I sort of joked, you know, the bishop of Richmond and the mayor, you know, you would expect that these would be people who, who would do the right thing. But Jesus uses them as an example. They, they go right on by. Guys laying by the side of the road. 
And then comes the Samaritan. And, I mean, I, I, maybe in our world today, you say, along comes a Muslim. Because right now, I think, there are a lot of us who have a very complicated feeling about that word. (laughs) If not an outright hatred, disgust, because often it's probably not something we understand. We maybe don't even have a relationship with, with any people who profess to be Muslims. So I want you to imagine that now, okay? Along comes a Muslim. That's who helps. And for this lawyer, that's got to be like, what? The Samaritan stops and helps? Hmm. So then Jesus asks, so who, who was the neighbor? Right. What's interesting is, is for us, we think, of, we think of the neighbor as being the guy who's laying on the ground. We're going to go help the neighbor. But in this, in, in, this telling, in this telling of the Good Samaritan, the lawyer says, and he, but he doesn't say the Samaritan. He says, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. I mean, what, what's so amazing about this story, too, is that I mean, the road from, from um, Jerusalem to Jericho was a, was a road that was very dangerous back in ancient times. I mean, it was, a, it was sort of a main road, but it was still just one of, one of the, it was a main trade route, and so it was just, it was just a place where, where you know, ne'er-do-wells and robbers could just hide out because the, t- the topography is, um, is very hilly. There are lots of places where you could just hide up in the side of a hill, right, like right near the main roads. I mean, it's still that way today. Like, like you'll be, you'll be dri- you're driving along from Jerusalem to Jericho and there are still, bed- I mean, there are still like nomad, nomadic people who have built these shacks out there. And you'll be driving along and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, there's like a whole development back there of these shanty towns that you couldn't see until you were right up on it. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a place fraught at that, this time with, with, with danger. And so the fact that anyone would stop when you already know that there's been robbers there and have hurt somebody and left them laying by the side of the road, is pretty amazing. I mean, this Samaritan puts himself at personal risk bodily risk in order to help someone that presumably he doesn't even know. And then, not only does he just bandage him up, he takes him to a place where he can be taken care of. And he gives the innkeeper in advance two days' wages. Two days' wages. And says, just take care of this person and whatever, I'll be back whatever, whatever, I'll pay. I mean, the word I would use is he, he shows true compassion for this man. 
Compassion means, I don't know if you know that the, sort of the, if you break the word apart, passion means to suffer. Did you know that? So when you have passion for something, that means that you're willing to suffer for it. When you're passionate about someone, um, even though we wouldn't use this very often, it means you're willing to suffer for that person. Calm means with or alongside of. So compassion means to suffer alongside of. To come alongside of someone who is in suffering and not just simply try to fix it. We might call that sympathy. Like, you know, if someone's hurting, Gordon comes to me and he says, hey, you know, things are going really bad. Blah, 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 blah. And I go, oh, but you know, tomorrow's another great day. It's no big deal. Just, just whatever. You know, I can have sympathy for him, but having compassion with him would be to go, hey, I've been there. Let's, 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 let's walk through this together. I mean, you can give hope, but you're not just poo-pooing, you know, oh, it'll all get better tomorrow. Compassion means risking yourself. You, because to have compassion means you, you've got to be somewhat vulnerable. Because Gordon's sharing a story with me, and I go, yeah, I've been there. Tell me about what's going on with you, and, and maybe you share a little bit of your story too, and that connects you in a way, but you've got to be vulnerable to, for that, right? That's a risky thing to do, to share with another person what's gone on in your life, maybe something that's been difficult. When things happen like what's happened in the past few days, it, 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 it hooks into our humanity in a different way, doesn't it? How many, of, how many of your Facebook pages are the French flag over your face right now? Don't be shy. We got one. We got a few. Right, right. I've, I've seen them. I know. You're hiding out. It's okay. I mean, it just, it, it hooks into our humanity in a different way. When we, when we have these kinds of, it, 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 it gets us sort of fired up about what's going on in the world. It, it touches us in a certain way. And, and it, I think it, it, it hits into our empathy because in a sense, we, we say, um, therefore the grace of God go I. Like I, I you can, we can sort of put ourselves in that situation and go, oh my gosh, I would not want to be there. I would not want to have that happen in our community, in our family. And so we, we can have this heartfelt sort of feeling for that. But there's something different between, between that and actually putting yourself in to situations where you're trying to help people and walk alongside of them. Here's something that's gotten me kind of fired up recently. Did you know that more people die from suicide in this country than from guns, meaning homicide? We've got a problem. <laughs> but we don't talk about it because it's not real sexy. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen in these concentrated things like this. I'm not trying to say that what, what's, what's, what's going on with with these terrorists and all that, 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 that isn't important. I'm not saying that. But I'm, I'm saying is that sometimes we human beings have blinders on as to what, what's really happening beneath the surface. If we have more suicides than people committing homicide, there is something going on 
There is something going on in the hearts and the minds of the people of this country, your friends and neighbors and mine, did you hear the word neighbor? That is driving them, driving us, to want to take our own lives. Compassion. How do you walk with someone who's in that kind of state? I don't know what gets you fired up. So I like that word better than makes you mad <laughs> or frustrated. But what I do know is that Jesus, because we follow him, he calls us to be people who are looking at what's going on in the world and what, and what doesn't look like it's right and to get fired up and to dive in, not because we've got the answer, but because we're willing to risk ourselves with compassion. To risk ourselves with compassion for those who are in need and those who are hurting. And that, I don't just mean in need like, you know, don't have a place to live, don't have a job, don't, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely there too. But there are people in need in, in our communities that look like they're doing just fine on the surface. Those are the people that you find out, oh, they're getting a divorce. It's been real ugly at their house for years. Oh, did you know that their daughter committed suicide at college? Oh, wow. I thought they were the perfect family. I mean, that's, that's what's going on in our communities. There's, there's so much stuff. So, what, what, I mean, what's getting you fired up? How, how, how are you and I, how are we loving our neighbor? What thing or things are, are you committed to in your life as a person who follows Jesus? But to have compassion for somebody else also means that you, you've got to learn to have compassion for yourself. You can't give what you don't have. If the way you treat yourself in your mind and in your heart is, is one where you're like, listen, you idiot, get it right. How could you screw that up? You're no good. Come on, get with it. That's the kind of stuff you've got, you got going on. You're not having much compassion for yourself. And somehow, somehow, to learn how to care for yourself means you have a greater capacity then to care for others and to have compassion for others because you can own your own vulnerability in that. And here's the thing. Jesus already knows what's going on in your head. Jesus has compassion for you. Jesus walked alongside of people who were broken, and Jesus in the Holy Spirit still walks alongside of us. 
seeking to heal us and make us whole so that we might then be a light and life in, in our communities, to have compassion. So I want you to, I want you to begin thinking about what it means to be a neighbor. And how are you loving your neighbor? And we have a video about that this morning.